And yeah, sort of this switch exactly. flipped in my mind. And I was like, and this is 2015. And you had to still explain to people what a podcast was. And, you know, it's like me having a radio show in my mom's basement. And I sort of pitched the idea to a bunch of friends. And I was like, I don't know. Like, what if I used a microphone as, a, as, a, as an education device? Hello. Welcome to the Better Outcome Show, where we explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Each episode, we bring you a conversation with leaders across the healthcare industry, exploring topics ranging from new treatment techniques and interventions to novel service delivery methods and business models. And now your host, Rafi Salazar from Rehab U Practice Solutions, a leader in patient engagement and retention strategy. Let's explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Well, hello again. Welcome to another episode of the Better Outcomes Show. I'm your host, Rafi Salazar from Rehab U Practice Solutions. And if you are a healthcare company, maybe you're a technology or device company doing something innovative in the space, or you're just a healthcare organization that's doing something innovative and you want to get the word out, you want to develop a succinct, effective, and unique positioning strategy for your company, uh, check out the Healthcare Positioning Alignment Workshop. It's uh, something we do with many of our clients. It basically helps you answer the question, value to whom? And through that, we help you develop an effective value proposition. So obviously, different uh, stakeholder perspectives determine what they consider valuable, the outcomes they seek for either out of a healthcare service or a vendor or a, uh, a technology solution even. By narrowing down that value to whom question, um, you have a clearer idea of how that technology, your device, your software, or even your healthcare service is uniquely positioned to solve the problems faced by your targeted healthcare stakeholder. So again, we talk about it a lot on the show, especially around value-based care and different value, value perspectives and how a, a different, uh, one of the different P's of healthcare, you have the four P's of healthcare, um, depending on where they are, or who it is that you're talking to, they're going to consider some things more important than others just by nature of how they view healthcare. So um, by narrowing down that value to whom question, really answering that question, you're able to develop an effective value proposition for that targeted stakeholder. So one of the big misconceptions, again, is that you, you develop your, your strategy, your positioning strategy one time and you're done especially in healthcare where you've got different stakeholders at play, you need to develop a unique uh, value proposition for each of those stakeholders that you're going to target. So one of my clients recently was a, a company that was going to go and provide a service, a solution to providers, but then they were also going to sell part of that solution to payers. So we ended up needing to develop two different and unique positioning strategies and value propositions because the payer was going to view things differently. They wanted something different out of that solution than the provider would. So again, it's not just a one and done. You want to make sure that you are tailoring that value proposition for the stakeholder in healthcare that you plan to sell to or speak to. So anyways, that's my plug for that. If you want to learn more about that, head on over to positioning dot rehab you practice solutions.com that's positioning dot rehab the letter you practice solutions.com or you can go to the home page and i think there's a button up there that says learn more about the positioning alignment workshop all right enough about that 
Moving on. We are having, uh, speaking of value propositions and having conversations with your targeted audience, this week I'm excited to share a conversation that I had with Jimmy McKay from uh, PT Pinecast, the PT Pinecast podcast. If you are in the physical occupational therapy private practice space, you've probably heard of him and heard of the show. They're doing some really, really cool things. But uh, so Jimmy is the director of communications for Mount Sinai Hospital in the Division of Rehabilitation and Human Performance and the Abilities Research Center. He's also the host of PT Podcast. He's got a degree in PT from uh, Marymount University. And has, as he shares in this conversation, he actually came to physical therapy um, from a background in communications and radio. So he was a radio DJ, a rock DJ, and he shares a little bit about seeing the iPhone come to fruition and what he saw as a radical change or transformation in the way uh, media was consumed by people. No more were you uh, tethered, if you would, to geographical regions or frequencies on the radio. Now you can tap into anything via online. And that became very apparent to him who was involved, deeply involved in that industry about the time that the iPhone came out. So he shares a little bit about his, his shift in mind from his mindset from, okay, um, how are we going to take this into into the, the new century, right? The 21st century, if you would. Um, what he's doing and the, and the point of our conversation is really about how clinicians, clinical organizations, et cetera, can leverage, for lack of a better word, I hate saying like the new media because it's been around for like a decade or more, right? Uh, many of us grew up with iPods and streaming and all of that kind of stuff coming into the market. Um, and people now that students that I talk to at the clinic, students that I see at the university when I go and give presentations uh, there or at conferences and things like that when I'm on speaking engagements, they're just used to that, right? They're, why, uh, why pay for things with commercial, like pay for cable with commercials or something like that if you can stream it for online for, for much less, right? Um, so this this idea of, okay, We've got, and we've mentioned this on the show before, but this idea that clinicians are knowledge translators. That's one of the big uh, values that we bring to any kind of patient engagement or encounter. So what can clinicians do, one, from a communication perspective to align our communication, as I mentioned earlier, with that prospect, that value proposition of that prospect. So we talk a little bit about that, but really how can we leverage some of these technologies and platforms to get the message out there, whether it be for business growth and business development, marketing for our business, or just knowledge translation and increasing one awareness of what your subspecialty or profession does, or, you know, there are people, and I say this all the time about some of the stuff that we do at proactive, the clinic that I own and operate, like there are people that are watching the YouTube channel, reading the articles, you know, watching our videos that are never going to step foot in the clinic. They might not ever step foot in a physical or occupational therapy clinic at all, right? Um, but what we are able to do is reach them through some of these digital means. That we're able to impart some of that knowledge to them so that hopefully they're able to decrease their pain, improve their function, you know, increase their overall quality of life. And to me, that's still a win. And, you know, we talk about 
uh, Jimmy and I in this uh, conversation about how we can monetize some of that, that it doesn't necessarily need to be simply free stuff that we put out there. Um, like a simple example would be, you know, ads on a YouTube channel or something like that. But there's more, more than, than one way to slice that pie, as I mentioned in this conversation. And uh, Jimmy does a great job in this, uh, in this interview of explaining kind of the fundamental pieces of putting together communications plan and strategy. And then we kind of spitballed a bunch of different ways that you can monetize your knowledge, your content, without having these super, super massive audiences of you know millions of downloads and followers and all of that, that if you have a valuable, uh, a valuable target, a valuable audience, it doesn't necessarily need to be super big in order to get real financial gains in your business and in your career from that. So without further ado, let's dive right into it. Here's a conversation I had with Jimmy McKay from PT Pinecast speaking about leveraging uh, we'll call it the new media for uh, business, career, uh, et cetera, growth. Hey, Jimmy, welcome to the show. How are you? Uh, I'm excited to be here. I'm, I, I love to talk to people who are super smart and passionate about what they're smart, passionate, or curious about. So I'm pumped, man. Cool deal. Well, I'll take the smart thing then. Um, <laughs> I'm looking forward to diving into this with you, talking specifically about you know, the new, we call it the new uh, media for PTs and OTs and how we can use it to, you know, expand our reach. But before we dive into that too deeply, tell us a little bit about yourself because you've got a pretty cool background and what yeah. brought you to what you're doing now with PT Pinecast. It's a little, little weird, right? Non-traditional. Uh, so I, in sixth grade, I did the morning announcements, right? I mean, how many of us can say like we sort of changed our career or like things were presented to us in sixth grade, but I did the morning announcements and I was yeah. like, I don't know what this is, but I, I dig it. So fast forward, I went to school for journalism and mass communication. I wound up doing, uh, I grew up in New York. I wound up doing internships at some pretty large radio stations in New York uh, in the summer between uh, between uh, different years in college. And one of them, my final internship was for this radio station, WXRK, which at the time is where Howard Stern was broadcasting nice. his yeah. you know worldwide syndicated show. This is when he was also still doing like uh, his, it was a TV show too. So this is the last summer too, before he went to, to XM and and uh, and satellite yeah, radio, satellite, so yeah. he sort of like didn't really care. He was just kind of swinging for the fences. So I did that. I went back to my hometown radio station, the station I grew up listening to, and I got to be a broadcaster there. Wound up getting promoted. I got to help run that station. Got promoted again. Moved to uh, Northeast Pennsylvania. Got to run one, and then eventually two radio stations there at the same time. I was juggling all while you know getting to to jump in the studio a couple hours a day and play rock music real loud and give away beer and concert tickets and hang out with rock stars. And then in nice. 2008, this thing, which we have not prepared, but I bet you your version of the thing is no more than an arm's length away. It's this thing. It's the smartphone. This thing yeah. happened, right? Bill, uh, I almost said Bill Gates. Uh, the other guy, Steve Jobs, walked out on stage with a turtleneck and sort of introduced the world to the iPhone. A couple months later, I finally got my hands on it. Driving home from the radio station, had my iPhone plugged into my aux cord before Bluetooth kids. We had an aux cord. Yeah. And I was listening to a radio station from Los Angeles while I was in Scranton, Pennsylvania. And it was then that I realized like something's this is this is different. How we how we communicate, like, you know, the 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 antenna on top of my radio station could, you know, had fifty thousand watch and could reach X number of miles, but it didn't matter anymore. So time, the thing I want people to remember there is that's the moment when I realized time and space weren't going to be a limiting factor to information, yeah. music, sound, voices. 
So I, of course, did what every middle-aged white guy did. You know, not they didn't buy a sports car, but I went back to go to law school, and I hated, I hated that the thought of that. I didn't even, I didn't even start law school. After that, I did what every failed lawyer did: is I went to get an MBA, and I got one third, of, <laughs> got one third of an MBA. I don't want to brag, but you can't even round up one third. Yeah, of an I know. One third of an MBA is zero MBA. And then I sat down and thought about like, well, what about what really intrigues me, right? Like what really fires me up? And I was, um, I was a, uh, a mediocre triathlete and one of the guys that organized our weekly bike ride uh, that we all met at uh, a pizza place afterwards and drank beer and ate pizza. He was a PT and I would just watch what he did and how, how people's body language changed while they were just speaking to him. Again, this was just over beer and pizza. And I would watch people walk away differently. Like, Oh yeah, my back hurts when I ride or my ankle, my knee. And he would just have this conversation. I remember just walking up to him being like, what kind of verbal voodoo? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Cause I thought PT was all like this and this, he's like, well, that's part of it. And that's when I said, okay, this seems like something, this seems less, one to many, which is what I was doing as a broadcaster and more one to one. So I applied to PT school and, uh, you know, had to do, I had to do eight out of my nine prereqs. Cause again, I was a communications major. Yeah, so exactly. And had to do those anatomies and the sciences all and all that stuff you skipped out on all of it. And I did that while, while still, you know, I was in the radio studio interviewing rock stars with a physics book and they were like, what's this? I'm like, Oh no, it's a doorstopper. Don't worry. It's just, I found it. <laughs> And uh, went to PT school and for the first year was just a, you know, complete, you know, head down student. And in the second year, I saw a presentation. We've all been in this presentation before. It's a thousand people in the room, somebody on stage and their shirt is all buttoned up and their tie is real tight and they're using words that are, you know, nine syllables long. Yeah, exactly. You don't understand everything. And I just remember looking around the room and I'm like, maybe, you know, the imposter syndrome idea. I'm like, maybe I'm the only person who doesn't understand this. Everybody else is nodding. And fast forward to the networking hour or the happy hour after I spotted the speaker across the way. And I was like, you know, I paid like 200 bucks. I'm going to at least like, I got to at least get one thing out of this. Right. So I was bold and I walk up to the guy and I was like, I'm Jimmy, I'm a, you know, second year student. Can you, you know, I didn't really understand your presentation, all, all of it. Could you help me understand more? And 15 minutes later, I understood everything. And it wasn't because he was closer to me in proximity. It wasn't the beer and a half that I had. It really was in my mind. It was because he was, we were having a conversation. He wasn't giving a presentation and sort of this switch flipped in my mind. And I was like, and this is 2015. And you had to still explain to people what a podcast was. And, you know, it's like me having a radio show in my mom's basement. And I sort of pitched the idea to a bunch of friends. And I was like, I don't know, like, what if I used a microphone as a, as a, as an education device and just interviewed smart PTs and just gave, because that's how podcasts work. You just give the stuff away. And uh, I got commended. I got patted on the back for, um, you know, stepping outside my comfort zone. But the the irony is I didn't step out of my comfort zone at all. I actually, I was like, I'm, this is what I normally do. I'm just going right. to pivot here and use it for PT. I, I wrapped <laughs> myself in my comfort zone like a hamster ball, but I was able to walk around an area of a profession of physical therapy that I was new, naive, uncomfortable in, you know, learning my way, but I was able to use this sort of weapon of a microphone and this comfort of like, Hey, when I'm talking to people, I'm in control of this conversation, or at least I feel more empowered. I feel like a part of this conversation, not a presentation. So I launched a podcast in 2015. I think the timing of the podcast 
when podcast, not everybody and their mom like has a podcast. Like yeah, it was today. early, early in the podcast. Early, early. So, we, you know, we got 10,000 downloads the first month and right. the show sort of took off and people started looking at me like, are you going to keep doing this? And I was like, I don't even know what this, is. I'd love to say I had strategy, but I was sort of <laughs> like, I don't know, talk to a smart person, um, you know, uh, you know, talk to a smart person, get, get stuff, you know, get, learn one thing, you know, have fun, learn stuff. And I've done that ever since. And that sort of gets me into a lot of different places and helps me learn. And the best part about this is I'm sort of learning in public and the audience gets to come along and learn with us. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's a great format. I always said when, so I started my podcast in 2020 and the idea was like, I'm just going to talk to smart people and have a good time and maybe people will find it valuable. And you know, it's like all the things that happen just from doing that. So did you ever practice as a PT? Yeah. So okay. I graduated in 2016. I started very much in outpatient um, orthopedic sports, cash-based in Alexandria, nice. Virginia, which is not the cheapest area yeah. in the country. So it was. I was working a lot with like triathletes, a lot of military because it's D.C. It's the D.C. area. so a lot of military. Yeah, contractors. I mean, Coast Guard pilots. I had generals were in the clinic. And I didn't mind that, uh, but I didn't love it. And then I went the other way. I actually reached out to a former guest on the show and talked to her and she was in peds. And I said, listen, Amy, I have no experience in pediatrics, but I sort of just like, you know, I act like a kid 90% of the time anyway. <laughs> and she was like, all I heard you just say was you had no bad habits. So why don't you come check this place out and see if it's where you'd want to kick around. And I got to do zip lines and Nerf gun battles and, you know, nice. floors lava. So I practiced for about two and a half years but the entire time I was still doing the podcast, um, different components and sections and academies of the APTA would reach out and be like, can you do this? Can you come to this conference? Can you help us communicate? So it was sort of like getting hired. First, it was just like, we'll let you in for free and we'll pay for your flight and hotel. And then I had to be like, you know, I had people in my ear being like, what you do brings a ton of value. Like this is your. Yeah, you're, you should charge for this. Yeah, know. yeah. So so I started, but I started displaying like, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what it costs. And then here's what you'll get out of it. And I think in the beginning, it was like, you know, again, 2016, 2017, where you had to really over explain what the value of an impression or a view or a listen could be. Uh -huh. And then once that started to, once I started to hone that sort of explanation, people were like, oh, so bringing you out and paying you money actually brings us more money. And I'm like, right. And I yeah, can help that's you. That's how it's supposed it. to work. That's how it's supposed to work. Right. I'm like, if you're not making what you're paying me, by a multiple of two or five, you should be paying me that I don't know what I'm talking about. So, so I got to do that. So I eventually left, you know, direct clinical practice and I've worked with some big organizations. You know, if you want to find out who, you know, check out my LinkedIn, but I won't, I won't name drop or anything like that, but <laughs> I get to, I get to help, you know, organizations and conferences and APTA sections, academies or companies do this thing. And my mom put it, my mom put it the best way. She was like, Oh, because again, I was inventing this job that didn't exist. She's like, oh, I get it. You speak two languages fluently. Like you speak communications, marketing, exactly. content, whatever. And then you left that behind, but it never left. I didn't delete that. And then you, now you understand PT. And it's like if you had the Venn diagram where those two things cross, I just kind of live in the middle of that space. And I can talk to the marketers and explain clinical things or patient-related things to them. And I can talk to the clinicians about Hey, listen, it just took you nine minutes to explain diagnostic ultrasound. And you're wondering why this person doesn't find value in it. I'm like, I need you to do it in two sentences and I can help you do exactly. that. So yeah, I get to live in this sort of world where I got to, I mean, how many, how many times do you have more than one college degree and you get to use both of them? 
And so exactly. I both of those muscles every every day, which is which is fun for me and, and pretty rewarding. Yeah. No, I think that's awesome. I think I was talking to somebody and uh, I actually read one of their books. So the guy named David Baker, uh, he wrote a book called The Business of Expertise. Um, and one of the things he mentions in the book, and it pertains, he's talking about his consulting work and his strategy. And he's like, you need to have a wide, super wide uh, personal life, right? The, your leisure, what you're getting into, because then that allows you to kind of bring some of those patterns, some of those mm -hmm. insights and apply it to your specialty. It's even cooler, though, if you've got like if you're an inch deep in a, or an inch wide and a mile deep in two different right. areas like you are, because then you're bringing a lot of that cross pollination over. So, yeah, that Sa is super, Sarah. Super cool. I'll name drop someone because she deserves it. Her name is Sarah Beth Burke, and she did a PhD on, and she made up this title, which is hybridity. And I, and I saw her on Instagram six years ago, and I did an interview with her, and it was cool. I, I looked yeah. at it as cute. It was, it was nice. It was nice to know. And boy, was she onto something. Like, and I, I remember I DM'd her back a couple of years later through COVID because it really was what, 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 what circles can you combine? What things can cross over? Because you're not a this and a this, right? You're not a physical therapist that communicates. You're the ringmaster of physical therapy. So it, she was focusing on the words, but what she was really, really focusing on or getting people to focus on is, what are these places that cross over? They're not this plus this. It's like, it's an exponent. Yeah, yeah. Because you don't have to hire two people it's not that I'm just saving you a salary, right? I'm also able to do things that the, if you hired a marketer and a PT, those two people in a room- there be friction, yeah. Be fr right, and I can just sit there and go, and actually actually, I saw a movie on Netflix and I can't remember what it was. It was about um, uh, an interpreter, not, not a translator in the Iraqi war, right? So this guy was embedded in a Marine unit and he kept sort of pushing back against his commanding officer. He's like, you're here to translate. And he's like, actually, I'm an interpreter. And I remember sitting there thinking like, yeah, hey, listen, those are two different words. Translate, I can use Google Translate and it will verbatim tell me what this person in another language is saying. But interpreter is a higher level. It's like, I'm, yeah, I can understand you the context, the culture, all of that. Yeah. The meaning of, of it. And that's not a little bit better. That's, 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 several orders of magnitude better right because you could have brought in this movie this person was from i believe it was iraq and you could have just brought someone from the u.s who spoke the language but this person lived the life they understood when this person says that word that way they actually don't mean this they mean that or that doesn't make any sense he, he was able to uh, you know figure out that someone was giving them bad information and walking them into an ambush and he was like, because he wasn't translating, he was interpreting. And I remember thinking like, oh gosh, I'm an interpreter. I got to stop saying I'm a translator between communications and marketing and PT. I got to say I'm an interpreter because that's actually more of what I get to do. Yeah. Well, I want to back up a little bit because you did mention something in your intro, which I think is super, super important. And that'll uh -oh. probably launch us into the rest here. So you said there was a moment Steve Jobs came out, he showed yeah. the, the iPhone, yep. revolutionized the world. And one of the things that, that you said was that it's no longer geographically limited. Like how many times, you know, back in the nineties or the early two thousands when we were growing up, it was like, you went to the PT that was close or you heard about the PT that was close because they had the, you know, the newspaper, the magazine or the radio even yep. now the world has been again, to steal somebody else's term, it's been Googleized, right? Yep. You're not bound by your geographical location, which means if you're in the clinic or if you're a business owner, like, 
your competitors, even if it's just for the information, are now global. It's not just the down the street. And I think that has a lot of implications and probably a lot of what you're doing with PT Pinecast and even with the stuff with Anthony and, and kind of growing the influence of PT is kind of leveraging that, is it not? Yeah. Yeah. I remember on that drive from my from the radio station to my apartment listening to k-rock la while i'm in scranton so the other side of the, and it was you know it was buffering a term that these kids today won't have to suffer through but that was when the, <laughs> it was crappy but i remember thinking like it's crappy now it's not going to be crappy in a year or three years or five years and started thinking ahead and that's when i started looking at like i can't be the second wittiest funniest guy in the afternoon in scranton and make a living in a couple years and i went back to the radio station and i was like oh my god something is happening and i got looked at like i was chicken little like easy kiddo the sky's not falling and i remember being like i don't feel safe on this boat that's why i did the lsat that's why i did the one you know 33 percent of an mba because i was like this is different and and the things that it taught me was the distance between you and the potential listener or audience or viewer was now just the thickness of the glass on your smartphone. Yeah. I didn't really know it then, but I knew I couldn't just be the coolest rock station in Northeast Pennsylvania and have a thing. I'm now competing against the world. Now, on one on one side of that, that's like, dude, the world all is is on the outside of your door. They're right here in your smartphone. All you got to do is open this thing up. And the problem is because it's easy access for you and I and everybody else listening it means it's easy access for you yeah, and I and everybody else listening. So it becomes a game of what we call signal versus noise. And again, a lot yeah. of the kids these days aren't going to know the suffering, but if you're driving somewhere on and you're listening to FM radio and you get further away from the antenna, it will start to get staticky and you start to, I don't know why we squint our eyes though, Raffi, exactly. when we're like trying to listen. You're trying to, to, you're trying to listen better. You're trying to listen you, know, to you, it. you cut into the mountain trail and it goes, <laughs> you're trying, if you're listening to a baseball game or something, you're trying to like, you know, tune the, 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 the radio to get the signal, not just the noise. And that applies to this thing called all of it, social media, media, just the speed of the world now and how much information is being shared. And you couldn't, you weren't just one of five radio stations in your area or one of three newspapers or one of six TV stations. You know, the minute direct TV came online or whatever, it was almost limitless. So how do you cut through that? And that's improving your message, right? So yeah. no longer could you get away with lazy copy because you're going to get beat by the guy doing better copy. You know, you can't get beat by just doing a webinar because there's a hundred people. You got to beat that girl who's got her copy nailed down to hyper-focus on what problems she solves. So yes, yeah, signal versus noise is a thing that I constantly think about when I'm writing something or creating a graphic or an episode or a, or a thumbnail what is this saying to my potential audience? Because I am competing against ESPN and Oprah and, and you know, uh, every other author out there trying to, 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 to communicate their book. I need to understand that I need to be on that level. So it's both empowering and freeing and also, oh man, I got to compete. It's, it's the world versus me. Yeah. Well, and one of the things that it has done as well is it kind of, it, it, it doesn't count anymore. It's not beneficial to be like a jack of all trades, right? Like going global, glo going huge like this means you have to really hyper-focus and become specialized. So right. it's not, even from the practice standpoint, like you can't be just, oh, I do general orthopedic uh, PT anymore. Now it's like, okay, we're going to specialize. But the same thing with media, while there's huge opportunity out there that I see, like there's, that's why I don't think there's a problem with like, 
50,000 PTs getting into the media game because there's sure. 50,000 segmented audiences that you can that you can right. tap into. It's just getting hyper-focused and the riches really are in the niches. You don't need a yeah. you know, 3 million downloads or anything right. like that. You can get a very focused group that's very valuable. Here's an example because, you know, help organizations or people launch podcasts and people sometimes, and I understand, you want to understand ROI. You're like, why am I yeah. launching this podcast? Is it going to lead to money? Is it going to lead to attention which will lead to money and they're like how many how many downloads an episode do i need to monetize and i i have said one and people are like one no but how much to make money and i said okay well i'm going to give you an extreme situation right let's say you host a podcast about you know invasive brain surgery and there's 10 people 10 surgeons in the world that can do this one type of surgery right so you talk about brain surgery there's your niche but it's still pretty wide but there's only really 10 that can do this surgery right and you did an episode with one of them one of the 10 and one person listened one download how are you gonna monetize that i don't know if there's a company in germany that makes the laser that makes that type of surgery 60 exactly. percent more safe and one person listened to it and they run a hospital in new york and they're like oh dude we need that laser and you advertised on that on that podcast now you could advertise on that you could have partnered with them that could have been your message so it really is you know tony's famous for this tony maritato's famous for this launch a podcast in your local community because I'm not saying time and space don't matter. I'm saying time and space matter differently. Right. So yeah. let's say, let's say you do the healthy Rafi, where are you? You're in Augusta, healthy guess, Augusta yeah. podcast. Right. And all you do is go around, you bring your headphones, your little microphone and your camera and you go to doctor's offices in your community and no one ever listens. You did one a month. You just had 12, one hour situations with people in your community physicians, nurse practitioners, massage therapists, whoever, these are the people in your neighborhood, right? Yeah. And now you built 12 possible bridges. Maybe only one of those works out, but you spent 12 hours doing it. Is the juice worth the squeeze? So like, uh, you know, Stephen Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Successful uh, People, start with the end in mind. So don't just look at it like, do I need to be 10 million downloads a day like ESPN? I'd say, I'd stand by no, you don't. Yeah because what matters you tell me yeah well, it depends on kind of what your strategy is long term right so well, maybe we'll talk about that in a minute but like there is the strategy of like okay we're just going to pepper the the marketplace and we're going to use the like we're going to get big and that bigness is going to you know translate to maybe referrals or awareness in our local market right. but there's some higher level value there right so yeah. um like i do a podcast and we don't do nearly as many downloads as you um i think maybe we're we're at like maybe 1700 a month or something like that so not super big but hold on hold on hold on hold on i have to stop you there think about this right all right so what's a local like arena or something like a theater in augusta georgia like a place you'd go to watch like a decent sized concert oh yeah you've got like the miller theater you've got bell auditorium all of those great so the miller theater so you're like wow i know in the in the grand scheme of the world's population you get 1700 people to pay attention and spend time with you a month yeah. think about if you walked out on stage at the miller arena once a month and looked out and there's 1700 people there listening for even if it's 15 minutes yeah so i, I think one thing that this thing has done is it's screwed with our our perception of the scale numbers. 1700 yeah, yeah. is not an insignificant number it's not especially if they're the right 1700 people that's yeah. different well then that that was my point right like i don't need to have if you're looking at ad spend and you're, you know, people are spending five bucks for a thousand listeners and all that, like, yeah, you can't monetize that. But my audience is super focused right now. We're in, in 
healthcare innovation. So my audience are healthcare technology startups, PTs and OTs yes. doing cool things in technology. And that leads to, you know, consulting deals and projects and that stuff that's super valuable that is not monetized in the way that we think about it. Like I think Correct. moving into this new world, we're trying, and a lot of people still are trying to apply like old ways of monetizing it to what could potentially be, you know, infinite ways of, of slicing and dicing the way you make money on the, on the content you're creating, right? Correct. Like it's no longer about ad-based spend Correct. and revenue. Like you can leverage it into partnerships and relationships. And even like Anthony says, like you connect with that doctor. Now that doctor's sending you patients. Well, you know, that's, you're not technically monetizing the podcast, but it led to your business right. growing, right? Like there's, right. there's so many different ways now to make money and monetize that don't necessarily right. require big audiences and ad Correct. spend and all, and all of that. I, uh, I, I threw a party last year at CSM or I helped some people throw a party last year at CSM. And I did it because it was personal to me. I did it because I, I knew how to do it. I saw what people were doing. Companies, APTA sections and academies, they come to CSM, which is our largest conference in PT, and they spend lots of money throwing gatherings because when you do things at a conference center or around a conference center, nothing is cheap, right? So even exactly. a cheap, even an inexpensive party is 15, you know, we're talking five figures, right? For food yeah. and beverage and location, whatever. The thing that annoyed me was we threw a party, we felt good and we go home. But our profession is supposedly like, uh, you know, transforming society by blah, 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 blah. That's what the APTA yeah. says. And I'm in on it. I'm in. And I was like, then we should be we should be raising money to either help the local community in San Diego or Boston in February or the community of PT. Right. So I said, what if you all what if you 10 organizations, 10 potential sponsors, you gave me your money because I know I can spend it better. I'll throw a dope party because I used to throw dope parties as a radio program director so enough of them i think i pitched 30 times and i got 15 of them to give me money varying degrees of money right i rented out the san diego children's museum threw a dope party drinks 80s band uh bourbon tasting station the slides the cargo nets everything was open it was dope that i did not monetize that I did not take $1 for doing all that work and throwing the party, right? And at the end of the night, we were able to hold up three checks saying that these title sponsors got to choose their own adventure. They got to pick their charities. Great. I wanted you, the APTA geriatrics and Kathy Cholik, I wanted you to pick a geriatric older adult facing charity. I wanted you to pick this. I wanted you to pick that. So that was fun. I did not do this to monetize my time. But several of the sponsors afterwards communicated with me a month later. Hey, um... So-and-so from marketing said you were the guy who helped throw that party. What else can you do? Yeah. So I did not, I did not do that, but several of them are now sponsors of this, of my podcast. Now, did I throw that party to do that? I did not, but I showed not told. This is why like the best day in third grade is show and tell, right? Show and tell Fridays. It's really about the show. Cause I'm not in tell business as a physical therapist, as an occupational therapist, a healthcare product. You're not really in the tell business. You're in show business. There's a reason that yeah. that phrase makes sense and tell business doesn't make any sense. Yeah. No, I think it, to translate it clinically, like I'm I'm huge on the clinic that I own and run. Like we're going to do test, treat, retest because that shows the oh. patient in the clinic that one, that you know what you're doing, two, that they're getting better and that there's hope, right? Like that there's something that a demonstration does that just telling a story doesn't. I think I was listening to the, that My First Million podcast Great. Uh, a couple weeks ago, and he he had the guy talk about like the best ads in the in the world, or the ones that had the biggest impact, and the demo. All of them revolved around demonstrations. demonstrations. Like the guy that made the break for the 
uh, for the elevator. He's like, he didn't just tell him how great the elevator break was. He like got up there and then had the guys cut the cables, you know, and the, the elevator didn't fall afterwards. Like stuff like that makes an yeah. impact. So that's awesome. So from this, where we're at now, like how do you see this? What are the opportunities there for maybe your local PTs or PTs that, that want to get involved? They see the opportunity. They just don't really know yeah. Like, what should I do? What should I be thinking about? Is this a blog? Is it a, yeah. you know, is it getting famous on Instagram? Like what is the end goal or how should, how should people think about leveraging digital media and technology to kind of influence right. your, or increase their influence? Yeah. A couple, couple things. We'll do this in a couple of really easy, simple steps. And I tell people all the time that I work with, if I start using words or concepts that you can't understand, it means I'm talking out of my ass. Because this should be the basics. This should 100% be the basics. It should be very easy to understand. It should be easy to follow because, and here's why, because the rules of relationships online or in real life, in person, are the same. And this ruffles a lot of feathers. People are like, no, they're not. They're not the same. The rules of relationships are the same. How we do those relationships and yeah. how they interact are different. But what I mean is we can have a trend. I can have a transactional relationship with someone. I can pay someone $200 to spend time with me. And that's a transaction. That's not a girlfriend. We call paying a woman $200 to spend time with you. Something completely different it is in fact <laughs> called the oldest profession. So yeah. it's different because you have to earn one and you pay for one. One is a transaction and one is a relationship build. So number one, the rules of relationships are the same in person or online. Right. And we have to have agreement there because if we don't, then we're looking at things like transactions like ad spends. And I'm not saying don't spend. What I'm saying is, what is the purpose of this? Is this to build a relationship? And relationships have different levels of depth, right? If you're yeah. married, that's a deep relationship. If you have someone who watches or follows, right? That's a very, that's a term that all these platforms use follow, subscribe. It's a different relationship. I'll give, I'll give you a little time or attention in, ex in exchange for something, entertainment or education. So that's lesson two. The only two things you can do with content, and that's what we're talking about, is in exchange, yeah. information, is educate or entertain. Now, bonus things, Rafi, if we can do both of those things both. at the same time, that's the magic thing, right? It's why we know who Bill Nye the Science Guy is. It's why Neil deGrasse Tyson is fun because dude's super smart. He's going to teach me something and it's going to get to the damn point. And dare yeah. I say, he's going to make it fun. And I remember what he says and he's quotable. So those are the really... I know how you can do it is a multitude of ways, but what you're actually doing is just one of two things. You are either educating, entertaining, or both at the same time, right? So then how? I love talking about this and I give this away. I, I, can I throw something on the screen for people who are maybe watching the video? To sure, watch the yeah. Videos? Cool. All right, I'll throw this on the screen real quick so like. So this is the seven W's. Now, I went to school for journalism and communication and people all talk, talk about the six W's. Who, what, where, when, why, how. So, Jimmy, I know you're not a math major, but that's six W's. Why do you, why do you have seven uh, on the screen? Here's why. I think there is a right or a better order to answer those questions. And it's not that I disagree with Mr. Simon Sinek, who did have the most viewed TED Talk of all time, and his is start with why. And I don't disagree with him, but I think it's different. Because I think he might even agree with this as well, which is you have to start with who. Who am I talking to? And here's why. Yeah. Because if I'm talking to my grandmother, we're talking about different things. Our what changes. How I'm talking 
also changes, right? I use a lot of four-letter words and slang with my best friend, not so much with Megami, right? So this is the order for me in terms of what questions anybody should be asking when you're going to communicate or you're going to try to exchange value, exchange uh, time and attention for pay and spend. So the first question is who? Who am I talking to? And I like to niche down. What was the phrase you said before? The niches is the riches and the niches. The riches are in the niches. Yeah. I've never heard that before, but I'm writing that one down. So yeah, I like to. Some I like popular to, guy wrote it, not me. <laughs> I like to niche down at least three times, right? So Oprah Winfrey, Amazon, ESPN, to a degree, they can talk to everybody. The rest of us, we have to figure out who we're talking to. You can also have multiple audiences that you talk to. So I'm not just saying you have to pick and that's all you can talk to. You can talk to just like ESPN, sports, but they also have hockey fans and football fans and baseball yeah. fans. And sometimes I'm a fan of two or three. So who is first? And I remember this by saying the owl says, who, 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 three times. That's the best sound effect you're going to get out of me. <laughs> Next up is why this isn't six W's, it's seven W's. It's because I asked the question, what, twice. On the left, or the first time I ask what, is I want to find out about that who, that person that I'm talking to, my audience. I want to find out about their bads and goods. Where are they now? What are their frustrations? And where do they want to go? Where are you? Where do you want to go? And why haven't you gotten there? Tell me about that. And make sure it relates to you. And here's the example. One of your ideal uh, audiences might be runners who want to finish a marathon. That sounds great. They might have a flat tire. That sucks. And that is a valid concern for them. But that's not what you're going to talk about. You're not going to talk about flat tires. You're going to talk about they're wanting to go from the couch to a PR at the marathon finish line. So make sure what you're, what you're, what you're focusing on their what, their bads and goods, as I call them, relates to you. On the right, the second time I ask what is, what are you good at? What do you like to do? Just because you make money on it doesn't mean you should do it, right? You should like yeah. doing it as well, because that's what you're going to do. So I like to list out what are my, what are my um, what are my tools? What are the things? What are the valuable things that I can bring? My insight, my degree in physical therapy, my ability to communicate with people. And when you write those things down, they're what and you're what, where those cross, where those two things cross over or multiple things cross over. That's where Simon Sinek made a career saying, this is our shared why. Yeah. And from there on the screen, you can see I made how, where, and when black and white, same shape in order. That's a process. That's where media comes in. The biggest mistake people make is they skip right to how. I want to communicate, so I'm going to run ads. You're going to spend money and run ads, but you don't know who you're talking to, what their problem is, what you bring to the table, and what that shared why is. You're going to spend money? Risky. So once you figure out that shared why, the how, where, and when you communicate, that gets real fun and simple. Because marketing, here's the final lesson, marketing is honestly saying the exact same thing a thousand different ways. I'm yeah. not asking you to say a thousand things. I'm asking you to say one thing a thousand different ways. And then we can go to exercise principles, which PTs and OTs are familiar with. And they're a perfect parallel to communications. Frequency, that's a communication or exercise principle. Intensity, time, type, uh, volume, and progression. That's exercise principles. That's the fit VP uh, uh, paradigm that the American College of Sports Medicine came up with. Those are communication principles, friends. That's the world I lived in. Frequency, intensity, time, type, volume, and progression. So those seven questions are important. I think this is simple, but not necessarily easy. 
there's entire professions of people called marketers and communications professionals yeah. that will help you do this. Just as I talk to communications and marketing people about when their back hurts, that there is an entire profession of people that can help you get rid of that or do what you want. So I think a lot of times we we overestimate our ability in one thing in terms of healthcare and say, well, how's this marketing thing? I mean, I don't want to be a jerk or anything, but their projects in college didn't look that hard, right? Yeah. But it brings yeah. out. So either learn how to do it yourself or hire out. Know when to refer out is my last suggestion. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. What would you say to people who feel like they, uh, we get this a lot or I hear this a lot. I just don't know enough to do it. Or there are people that know it more than I do. Right. Like I'm not a, I'm not a certified hand therapist, so I shouldn't be doing anything with the hand because there's somebody out there that's better than me. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And I think, I need to, I think we need to be humble about that. Listen, there are PTs who are just naturally good at communicating and marketing. Yeah. Awesome. Um, that doesn't mean all of us are good at communicating and marketing. And that's okay. So you can teach yourself, you could hire a coach to do it, or you could hire someone to do it completely yourself. So by yourself, listen, you got Google and chat GPT, you can't figure this out. That's okay. Hire a coach to teach you in a month or three months or whatever. I mean, million dollar business owners hire business coaches, because they're like, I'm yeah. really good at these three things, but I need to be good at these. So do what Steve Jobs said, which is either you hire smart people, and you let them tell you what to do. You don't hire smart people and then you tell them what to do. Why the hell would hire an idiot and yeah, tell how them that works? How does that work? It doesn't. That's the thing. Yeah. Awesome. Cool deal. Um, well, I mean, I think that wraps up at least high level here. So where can people find out more about you? Obviously, yeah. the, the the podcast, all your projects, send yeah. us to all the places. I keep it simple. It's at PT Pinecast or ptpinecast.com uh, or on LinkedIn. You know, my, my actual name is Jimmy McKay. People call me the Pinecast guy. Um, and the reason, you know, Pinecast was it goes full circle. The first thing I said was I really wanted the communication that I shared to sound, you know, unbuttoned. I didn't want it to sound like the yeah. tie was tight. And I didn't want to sound like I was using, you know, five syllable words when I could be using single syllable words. So that's, uh, that's the fun part is once we, we figure out that this is valuable, communication has value. Uh, you're going to be able to spread that value around very clearly. Clarity is the is the goal. Yeah, awesome, cool deal. Cool deal. Well, Jimmy, thanks so much for taking your time, and uh, have a good one, man. My pleasure. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Jimmy McKay, all about really communication basics. We're just translating it over to digital media. I think one of the things that he said that is worth highlighting again and again and again is the rules of relationships and the real, really the rules of communication don't change much and actually don't change at all, um, regardless of the platform that you're using. And he made the point, you have to think about the reason you're having this communication, the reason you're, you're putting this communication out there. Is it to drive a transaction, you know, buy now, or is it to build a relationship? Because those, obviously, the goals, you're, as Jim Rohn said, destination determines direction. So if you know going into it that the goal of this communication is to drive uh, some sort of transactional relationship, uh, some kind of transaction, like that's good. I'm not disparaging that at all. You just have to understand that because it changes the strategy a little bit, changes how you phrase things or what you communicate. Um, if the goal is to build a relationship with prospective patients, prospective clients, uh, new maybe referral partners or business partners, those communications need to be tailored with that end in mind. Again, destination determines direction. 
So I think that was very much worth highlighting. I think that um, one of the things that got me early on when I started this podcast, which was back in 2020, I started it really because COVID happened and I use it as a business development tool for a while. And the reason I decided to go with the podcast was one, I just like talking to people and interviewing people, but the relationship that you build during an interview, even if it's, you know, semi-transactional, I guess you could call it, there are people that have never done business with me, uh, have never paid me a dime, but they were on the show, we had a conversation, and either I was able to connect them to somebody that helped them or their business or a colleague's business, or they were able to do the same for me. So early on, I wanted guests on the show that were doing things that were interesting and fun and worthwhile of sharing a spotlight. I think like episode two or three was uh, a Dr. Rob Lambert's from now they're called Welcome Health, but they were a direct primary care clinic in Augusta, the city that I'm in. And we talked all about stepping out of the insurance model and going direct to consumer with like a subscription-based healthcare. And to me, that was super, super, super interesting. And that conversation kind of started a relationship, a professional relationship between this doctor's group and myself. And now that I've got a clinic, you know, we send patients back and forth and it's all because, you know, we know, like, and we trust each other for the most part, right? <laughs> um, so there's, and that kind of leads us into this idea that there's different ways to monetize the content that you're creating, the insights that you're putting out there, that it doesn't necessarily need to be this thought of, okay, I'm going to generate a million downloads and at, you know, a hundred dollars per thousand downloads or whatever it is, that's how we're going to generate revenue for the show. Um, we've never sold ads on this show and I don't necessarily know if we're planning on ever doing that. I'm just having a fun time doing it and we're having conversations with people that are doing interesting things and it opens up doors. Some there, there are tons of people that have come to me to do things like the positioning alignment workshop shameless plug there, or bought the book, or taken one of the courses or come onto the, one of the webinars because of the podcast. They haven't, you know, they haven't uh, had any other real interaction with me at all other than either their colleague was on the show or they listened to the podcast because there's someone in their network shared it with them or they came across the podcast and that led into some other type of professional interaction between them and myself that would have not other otherwise happened if I wasn't doing it. And I get the added benefit of sitting down with people who are a lot of times way smarter than me. Well, not a lot of times, like every time. They're way smarter than me, <laughs> especially in the topic that we're discussing. I'm able to, to kind of dig into conversations and topics and areas with uh, with people that are experts in that field, in that specific niche, and I would have no business talking with them other other than the fact that I've got this podcast and where, you know, there's some kind of mutual benefit there. So I think there's, we're, we're, we've been thinking so small about media and content and what creators can do with it, especially clinicians, because we do have a lot of valuable insights that are going to benefit a lot of people, especially like in the, in the musculoskeletal pain space. I know plenty of clinicians who are better clinicians than myself by a long shot, way better. They're smarter, they're more capable. They probably, they, they have better, you know, hands-on manual techniques. They know the most uh, effective interventions for certain uh, dysfunctions or whatever it is. And they don't have a voice yet. 
yet. I'm hoping that they, you know, some of these people jump on some of this this content creation because that content in and of itself is going to benefit everybody as a whole. If nothing else, it means the patients that come to them because of their content are going to already kind of know what's up. They're going to be bought into the treatment plan or the intervention or the the treatment approach. Maybe referral partners get into into some of the content and begin referring patients to that clinician because they know, they like, they trust them. They've heard their viewpoint on this approach to this specific issue or injury, and it it's going to benefit them. So anyways, I'm, I feel like I'm rambling now. I think it it's super interesting to talk about just leveraging what we all take for granted sometimes. Uh, being, you know, digital media, online, streaming, YouTube, all of that kind of stuff, and leveraging it in a way that might not necessarily make money in the traditional sense, but that can pay huge dividends down the road from a maybe an awareness standpoint, a quality of life or impact standpoint. I mean, that's kind of why we all got into healthcare, right? We wanted to make people's lives better. And I see leveraging technology, leveraging uh, digital media like that as a very simple and cheap uh, way of doing it. So anyways, my thoughts on that. If you like the show, um, share it with a friend or a colleague that you think would benefit from it or find it insightful or entertaining. Um, I'll give the plug now. We are near the tail end of December 2023. Um, there, we have probably a couple more weeks left on the, uh, the 2023 technology in physical dysfunction or musculoskeletal, uh, survey. It's on the website. You can go to rehabupracticesolutions.com, fill out the survey. We'd love to hear from you if you're an outpatient clinician and you're, you're using some kind of technology in practice. Love your input. Go to rehabupracticesolutions.com and, um, and fill that survey up. We'll be we'll be publishing that. We'll probably do a webinar on the results once we get it all analyzed and written up sometime in Q1 of 2024. So look out for that. If you want to stay up to date with everything we're, the, we're doing on the show, catch show notes and, and all of that, you can go to betteroutcomes.show, sign up for the email list. We'll let you know when a new episode drops. I think that's it. Maybe uh, get the book, Better Outcomes, A Guide to Humanizing Healthcare. You can find more about that at book.betteroutcomes.show. Until the next time, folks, be safe, be healthy. I will talk to you then. Thanks for listening to the Better Outcomes Show, where we explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Our hope is that you walk away from each episode informed, equipped, and empowered to push the boundaries in your own practice or business. We want to give you the tools to help you build strong, long-lasting relationships with your patients and clients, helping meet their goals, improve their health, and achieve better outcomes. Learn more at www.rehabupracticesolutions.com. We'll catch you on the next episode.